Fridays at participating stores. For details, visit CircleK.com. Circle K, how convenient. ESPN 1420, KPEL Lafayette. ESPN 1033, K277DQ Lafayette, a town square media station. The best games, the best fans, the best on the bayou. The best, the best. The best ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Good morning. Welcome in. The Great Scott Show. It's ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. Got a great show for you this morning. Education baseball coach Matt Deggs joining me in 15 minutes. Our one-on-one before the season gets underway this Friday over at Russo Park. Brad Topham will join me as well this hour to talk little Cajun baseball. We're going to dig into Conference USA being, I guess, the equivalent to like a, a, a conference catfish online. Unbelievable. Uh, Garrick Rattler, who hosts uh, the Pels Pod from the New Orleans Network, part of Nick Underhill's uh, New Orleans Sports Media Network. Uh, Garrick's going to join me about 8.20 this morning, talk a little Pels disappointing game last night. A little bit of, little bit on Super Bowl ratings. I think, you know, the game itself, you're seeing everywhere. It's record number is most watched event and best Super Bowl ratings since five years ago when you factor in all the streaming and Spanish and all this other stuff and all the other places you could actually watch it. It's like the best ever. That, that's, that's, that's fine and dandy. Okay. What's ridiculous to me, but not surprising at all, is that the city of Los Angeles cannot get a Super Bowl rating worth a flip. The team in L.A. is playing in the Super Bowl. The game is being played in L.A., and they can't even crack the top 10 for markets watching the Super Bowl. Cincinnati was first. Detroit was second. They're supporting the Rams more than the Rams are. Pittsburgh third, Columbus fourth, KC fifth, Milwaukee, Cleveland tied for six, Boston, Philly, Jacksonville, eight, nine, and ten. L.A. can't even crack. How is your team in the Super Bowl, your city hosting said Super Bowl, and you don't even crack the top ten? And yet, is anyone surprised? Come on. It's the Rams. They they moved on as soon as the game was over. Like, that was cool. Hey. Let's go. Let's go get a a smoothie and the latest cool fashion trend going on. Go take some pictures and put them on Instagram and then 
let's just talk about LeBron and Lakers because that's the one team in L.A., along with the Dodgers, the two teams we actually really care about. Not even in the top ten. And it's not like that environment was raucous or loud. The stadium itself, it looks cool. It's $5 billion. $5 billion with artificial turf. Artificial turf that had a lot of football players upset when Odell went down. But they were like part of a campaign that, I mean, it was almost like they were just waiting for someone to get hurt. If you if you were follow any NFL players on, on social media, a ton of them were tweeting out right after the injury their support for hashtag flip the turf. Hashtag Pennington Partner. It was like, what is this campaign? Are they are they are they using this opportunity to market something? Is some some company that's paying them, or do they really want the turf changed? And most of them would reference an experience they had or an injury or how much they dislike turf. And then they put out this petition. And in reality, it's 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 good. Right? There's a lot of support for natural grass fields. About half the fields in the NFL are are artificial turf. And I'll say this, the turf has come a long way since back when it was just the AstroTurf. I mean, I remember watching Saints games in the Superdome. Got down on the field one time as a kid. I'm like, this isn't soft. Good Lord. But when you look at this flip the turf campaign, players are pushing for a change, and they point out some numbers, right? 28% more non-contact lower body injuries with turf fields. 32% more non-contact knee injuries, 69% more non-contact foot and ankle injuries. Turf gets hotter. Turf can't be recycled, right? There's 330 million pounds of landfill waste each year from turfs. They get into all the fossil fuels used, you know, all the all the all the green side of why grass is better. So I get why players are pushing for a change. But if anyone thinks that that Odell's injury in the Super Bowl is going to be some kind of breaking point, they're fooling themselves. Could SoFi Stadium have had a a grass field? Could they have figured it out? Absolutely. It was $5 billion. You could figure out how to get grass in and out of there. Were they going to do it? No. Because even though it was $5 billion, the NFL is all about flash and pizzazz. When it comes to SoFi Stadium, it's got all the bells and whistles. But when it comes to player safety... The NFL will lie and say it's on their mind. It's not on their mind. Ultimately, turf is easier for them. It's more affordable for them. They don't have to constantly water it and change it and, you know. That's it. And turf does get passed down, as one of our listeners points out. Scott chimes in on the show. You know, they get rid of the turf, but they're usually just, whether it be out of the kindness of their heart or some kind of tax break, but they're usually just donated it. So the turf will get passed down. High schools will use it, right? Whether it be an NFL team or a college team. Turf in batting cages, turf in other places. There is no denying that it, it, it is, I mean, the numbers prove it overwhelmingly that there are a lot more injuries with the turf. A lot. Particularly non-contact injuries, particularly lower body injuries. 
but the NFL is not going to make a change for safety whenever they can save some moolah. And whenever players, you know, the players that tweeted out that they don't like turf and didn't have uh, a campaign involved in a petition and hashtag Pennington partner, which I don't know, are they, are they doing this out of the kindness of their heart or are they a client of this company? Those are the ones I'm paying a little more attention to. Tell you what, turf it, <laughs> you can have turf over at Russo Park Friday. Talking about it in baseball. And yes, it gets really hot whenever the sun's out, but it's a lot nicer when you can just, um, you know, cover the pitching mound and, okay, it's raining, and then you take the, the, the tarp off of that, and then you're ready to go play. I can tell you this, you talk to, associate, you talk to uh, assistant coach Anthony Babineau, who's been at UL for a long time as a player and as an assistant. Back in the day, I mean, he'd have to wake up Go cover the field, mow that thing. I mean, it's a lot of time saved as well with turf. Whether it's baseball, whether it's softball. Speaking of softball, they improved to six and zero on the season. The Raging Cajuns. Mercy ruled Nichols last night, ten to two. They won in five. Samantha Landry pitched three innings of hitless softball. Maddie Hayden. You know, a walk-off in softball for the mercy rule is always a little different than a walk-off when it's, you know, not mercy rule. But Maddie had a walk-off last night. Cajuns were down early. one nothing, and then just, just cruised. Just cruised. Seeing some of the new players get off to a really good start. Stormy Kotzelnik picked up her third triple of the season. Maddie Hayden, the walk-off base hit for the second time in as many games. Alexa Langliers, nine base hits, three home runs. The Cajuns, through six games, have outscored their opponents 56-2. They're batting 453. But next week, you're going to learn something. Because coming to Lafayette is the Alabama Crimson Tide the number two team in the country. And Thursday of next week, they'll be at Eve Gerard Field at Lamson Park. Then you'll, you know, eventually you'll play them again and you'll have a series out in Youngsville and it'll be fun. But Thursday of next week, it's on. That's a big one. Nationally ranked showdown. As Coach Glasgow told me yesterday, we're going to practice one another we're not taking a long break. It's early in the season. We're going to go hard. We're going to do everything we can, but they're going to spend the time preparing for Bama. It's a big moment for the 15th-ranked Rage Occasions. Yes, early break in the schedule in terms of not playing this week, and that's unusual to have it at this point, but they like to you know, they like to travel and play during spring break and do different things, and this was just a spot on the schedule that opened up. And honestly, I don't, I don't mind it because you, you got the start of baseball. You got hoops going on as well, and Coach Gary Broadhead squat at the Cajun Dome. It should be uh, it should be fun. Speaking of Cajun baseball, I talked to Coach Matt Deggs earlier this week. He was busy. He was about to get ready for a practice, but he was kind enough to sit down with me, chat for a little bit, 
about all things Cajun baseball. The season begins in two days when they host the 14th-ranked UC Irvine Anteaters. First pitch is almost here. We're going to talk to Degs next. Then Brad Topham will join me for a stretch. Derek Rattler will join me in the 8 o'clock hour to talk Pels. We are going to get into Conference USA. Apparently just maybe they think they're catfishing everyone, but no one is fooled. Like, what are they doing? I'll explain. That's coming up later as well. Don't go anywhere. This is the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes. Their age. The way they speak. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. This is the great Scott Show. Louisiana Raging Cajun baseball season is almost here. A lot of anticipation. Uh, first pitch this Friday over at ML Tigmore Field at Russo Park. And joining me now to talk Cajun baseball is the head coach of Louisiana. That'd be Coach Matt Deggs. It's good to see you, Coach. You too, Scott. Uh, your favorite BC Boys song of all time. What is it? Hmm. License still, they were all good. I'm going to say no sleep till Brooklyn. No sleep till Brooklyn. It's a good banger, man. Yeah, it you is. know, it's a it good is. banger. It'll get it you is. going. It I feel will. like it's in Bab's playlist. He, he has that playlist <laughs> for BP, and he's always he's always got like it's Wild Wild one. West and some of the some of the other ones from that uh, that era. Uh, all right, let's talk some let's talk some baseball. I feel like you guys have a lot of great depth in the outfield, and and I say that because when you can put a guy like uh, like Carson at first or Tyler Robinson, he may play third. But when you can move some great outfielders, I think it speaks to the depth. Am I reading into that the right way? That's probably our toughest position uh, to crack right now. It's a really good group. Uh, obviously head, headlined by uh, T.R. and, and Marshock. And, uh, you know, Heath Hood may be the best hitter on the team uh, when it's all said and done. And uh, Connor Higgs is really coming on. Of course, you got Kemple and, and Will Vaughn. Uh, and they all have big pop, and so uh, it's it's a tough spot out there. Julian Brock taking over at catches. You had Drake Osborne last year. What what does that do for Brock now, being behind a guy like Drake, who was you know consistent and, and one of your best yeah. players? Well, I think that's probably served him pretty good uh, from a leadership dynamic and just the dynamic of being the host of the party and and uh, making sure that you know guys are comfortable with him and uh, he gets the guy through the inning or through the outing or whatever it might be uh, and he saw two pretty good guys do that and and Toro uh, Sebastian and then of course uh, Drake last year uh, Ozzy had about as fine a season as you can have and uh, you know obviously uh, Julian got to sit with him side by side every day and work with him and I think you've seen a little bit of that come to the front uh, you know, not just the spring, but but all year with him. And so it should be a different story, him knowing he's the guy and it's his job, and, and he needs to take it and run with it. 
Speaking of catching, I know, uh, I think C.J. Willis might have caught a little bit for you guys in the fall. He's shown last year he can play a lot of different spots. So where, where does he fit this season? He's a true utility guy, Scott, that, you know, I'd like to have him, especially the way he's swinging a bat right now. I'd like to have him in there as much as we can. Uh, you know, the, the, the catching thing is probably more an emergency. Obviously, it, it, it does just fine for fall. Uh, but when you know catching is so much onus on that spot and, and shortstop, I think uh, you know w- with the emergence of Austin Garrett transferring in from K State, that kind of alleviates a little pressure on CJ there. But you could see it in an emergency. Obviously, he plays a really good first base, second base, and any spot in outfield. He's a really good uh, utility guy, great teammate, and he's swinging on a really good bat right now. You talk about him, how he's batting like. Does moving a guy on defense, essentially, perhaps game to game, how does that or does that impact the guy's offense? I think it becomes an excuse for, you know, weaker-minded players or lesser players. I think good players, it's a challenge and it's kind of a uh, new opportunity every day and they embrace it and, you know, kind of make it their own and have fun with it. How is the confidence level of your team right now in your mind going? Really high. Uh, they have a lot of expectation. It's not for me. It's just from the work that they've put in, and they've seen the fruits of that. And they've, they, you know, I think one of the best things the NCA did was allowing us to play two fall games uh, several years ago. And so you get a little bit of a test and get to get to measure a little bit. And uh, I think they saw where they stack up and put a lot of work in and in a room, and then have had a very successful spring. And so uh, we'll break that tomorrow night. It'll be our last uh, last game. And uh, we'll play a night game under the lights, try to work out any kinks, try to make it as real as possible. Uh, and then kind of touch up Wednesday and Thursday and get ready to go. Louisiana head coach Matt Deggs, head baseball coach, our guest. You got a, a strong bullpen coming back, right? Schultz, Wilson, Austin, Talley. You got older guys with a lot of experience. Who are some of the, the newcomers in the pitching staff that you see perhaps making an immediate impact? Well, you know, uh, Shifflett, Drew Shifflett, transfer out of Texas, uh, has really uh, made an impression. Had a great fall and spring. Uh, so he's going to be kind of a go-to guy. Uh, and then, you know, Tommy Ray is a big JUCO product that had a great outing yesterday. And Jake Hammond won a championship over with LSUE, and, and he's been really good. Bo Bonds is from one of the top JCs in the country, Chipola. Uh and then with a lefty named Dylan Toy that's really stood out. Uh, so we've got a, a, a bunch of really good pieces. I think the biggest part of this first 20 games is kind of settling into roles, embracing them, and then ultimately starting to excel at them. You mentioned Toy. He was high school teammates of Julian Brock, yeah. was he not? Yeah, right there in the Houston area and, and uh, Fulcher, I believe. And, and uh, you know, so those two have a history together. Is it – do you have an idea of what you want to do as far as the starters opening weekend? And obviously opening weekend looks very different from later in the season, but is that still just up in the air here? No, I think we do. I think we've identified, you know, how we want to start. It's not going to be how we finish. Probably it never is. Uh, but I think we've got an idea and a game plan, uh, Seth and I, of how we want to break this down and piece it together and give our offense the best chance to get in the dugout and score. Uh, probably come out with that a little later in the week, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, if if I had to give you an answer today, I could. Uh, 
but we haven't even talked to the guys about it yet, so we'll kind of take it one day at a time. Sure. We're recording this uh, on Monday for everyone listening in terms of, of time perspective. Uh, this Friday against Cal Irvine, we'll uh, we'll get into that in a moment. A few more. Um, talking about confidence, I look at a guy like Hayden Dirk. The ceiling is, is, is immense. I mean, incredible power. And I know last season, a tough end to the season. So... Where is he at coming in, and how do you work with a guy like that? That um, obviously, you know, he's a local kid, but the potential. I mean, I think folks that watch baseball see what what he can become potentially. Yeah, kind of the the tell of two seasons for him. He started off really well, and uh, at this level, scout reports going to travel, and and uh, teams are going to adjust. And we weren't able just quite yet. He's still real young. He's only nineteen uh, to adjust back, and uh, you know make the adjustment to how they were now approaching us. And, uh, you know, got his confidence dinged a little bit, but worked extremely hard over the summer and had a really good fall. And he's had a, a solid spring. And I think what's important now is, and especially because we do have some options, Scott is, is kind of bringing him uh, and letting him experience some success and, and really learn how to pitch, not just throw, but, uh, but pitch. And that's kind of where we're at right now. Coach Matt Deggs, our guest. A few more for you, Coach. Um, Cal State, uh, Irvine, the Anteaters. Cal Irvine coming in nationally ranked. I know folks point to you know Fitzgerald's on the roster, and there's a little connection, and, and fans are pointing to it. I'm just pointing to that number, and I know it's just a preseason ranking, but you can look at the history of that program. Uh, you've always said, I, I love to begin a season going up against the best opponents we can find. It's a hell of an opponent to yeah, open up with. it is, and, and uh, they're a very dynamic team. Uh, they do everything really well. Uh, they can pitch it, they defend it, they can hit, and they're older. they got a lot of guys back that I'm sure they have big expectation coming off a, a season where they got to the championship game in the Stanford Regional, uh, and so I get it, and, and I know, you know, just from experience where they're at as a program, and so... Uh, it'll be a good test. The thing about opening weekend is it's, you know, anything can happen. It just, it's all about who handles the, the nerves the best and <clears throat> makes plays and throws strikes and puts the ball in play consistently. Top Gun 2, by the way, comes out May 27th. Now, I know you've, really? you've got plans. Y'all are going to be playing in Montgomery that week. Certainly. Um, they have which, the theaters, though. Yeah, they do. They do. I, I'll end on Top Gun 2. But talking about the conference tournament, I know your plans there to – to win the conference championship and you know from your opening press conference here to uh your first press conference just with the media this season i guess it was last week about the expectation as a region right i think every coach has high expectations not every coach in every sport always voices it whether it be fear of hype or media or whatever you you don't care about that stuff why are you always as confident as you are in your teams and not afraid to just put it out there like, no, look, this is this is what our goal is and this is what we intend to do. Just because I think I've always, well, I don't think I know, I've won all my life. And, uh, you know, and, and if I haven't, I've been in a position to. And just Lord bless me with a lot of confidence. And, and uh, I think you have to speak into existence. Uh, you can't talk about it then what are we going to be surprised by like that's that to me is what you call hoping and uh i'm not in that business i expect us to win and that's what we're going to do high expectations for top gun too i felt like we talked about this movie two years ago and then covid delayed it but i mean your your favorite movie has a sequel that's going to come out 36 years later 
hopefully it can meet the expectations. We'll see. You know, they, the, the saying says never meet your heroes. You're only bound to be disappointed. So we'll see. We'll see. It's got a lot to live up to, right? Right. Because Top Gun kind of hits you by surprise. 85, man. I yeah. It's just, it's and I wasn't, nobody was expecting that until you saw it. And then you went to Hastings and rented it every weekend for how many years? <laughs> the old blockbuster. Yeah. It's where the VHS out. How many players on your team do you honestly think even know about Top Gun? Mm. Maybe one or two. Okay. It'll surprise you. There you go. No, I mean, I, I ask kids about Top Gun or Beastie Boys or something, and they're all like, I don't, I don't know any of that. I'm like, that's right. I'm, I'm in a new age bracket, you know, no yes. sense, along with, you know, you and Bab, which Bab always says, look, I'm, just because I'm older doesn't mean I'm old. That's the way to look at it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. State of mind. Coach Matt Deggs, I uh, look forward to talking to you this season on Mondays. Yep. Best of luck. Looking forward to opening weekend. Um, Russo Park's going to be rocking, man, so it's going to be a lot of we fun. We can't wait. Can't wait to see Cajun Nation back out there and uh, doing their thing. So Appreciate the time, Coach. We'll yep. talk soon. All right. There is Coach Matt Deggs, my conversation with him earlier this week. A couple of things uh, that were enlightening in that convo and here to talk some more Cajun baseball is the color analyst for Louisiana Raging Cajun Baseball, former Raging Cajun catcher, host of Top's Take, owner of the Jambalaya Shop, Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. They do catering, drive through, dine in, all that good stuff, delicious food. Brad Topham on with us now. Good morning, Brad, man. How are you? I'm well, Scott. How are you? Good, man. You would. You 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 feeling all right? You sound a little you sound a little sad. You just... Oh no, that's just uh, <laughs> sinuses. It's nothing. It's nothing else. This we're about to get a bunch of bad weather, I guess. Uh, I, well, you know that's not always bad for you. Uh, hopefully, the weather's good though um, this weekend because it's gonna be some baseball out of the ballpark and uh, starting against the team like UC Irvine. You know, I, I I've, I've watched UL baseball and long enough to see when they open up a series against a great team and when they open up a series this season against a team that maybe is, we'll say, below average. Um, the excitement level's always there from the fans, so they're going to be excited no matter what. But, you know, as as a former coach and a former player, is there a difference to you for the players when you're beginning the season against an opponent like the one that's coming to MLT Moorefield at Russo Park Friday? Yeah, I think you're right on target with that, Scott. See, not you know, you're always worried about your own stuff, right? Am I am I ready? Am I you know all my goals, all my hopes, all my whatever? And then you you can kind of get in your own head, especially a game that's so built on failure. So when you have somebody else to focus on, not that that stuff goes away, but you do have to worry about one of the best relievers in the country. If you're a pitcher, they're bringing in. You know, according to D1 Baseball, three of the top 100 outfielders in the country. You know, they're a talented team, and if you're not, a, if you're a veteran, you've been around the block more than once. You realize this series. I know as crazy as it sounds, could be the difference between making a regional than at large and not. You know, so yeah, I, I think playing this team as opposed to I don't know um, Jackson State, it, it's a big difference. ESPN Lafayette, Brad Topham, our guest. Was there anything Coach Degg said in that conversation that stood out to you? I mean, you're on top of this stuff. You, you know this team pretty well. I think you're about to see the Diggs, more of a Diggs team, right? 
you know, you've heard Coach Glasgow talk about when he first got here, you know, he, he went to the eighth and ninth grade class to get his kids. Coach Diggs likes more Juco guys. And I think you're going to see a more athletic, more aggressive team. I think, I think basically what a lot of people were expecting out the gate with Coach Diggs, you know, because of when he left, this team's going to be more fun. I hate to say it. winning's great, but, you know, it's going to be an exciting team to watch. It's going to be fun. And I think you can hear it in Diggs' voice. You know, there's excitement to the possibilities of the, the fun, you know? Well, he, he loves to be aggressive, obviously, um, as a coach. He loves his team to be aggressive. And it's the most athletic team he's had since he's been here. And I think more than that, Brad, it seems to me that now he's got a team of alphas or guys that certainly would consider themselves to be that. Um, and, and the reason I'm bringing that up is, We've seen college athletes and the college athlete in general sort of evolve over time. And I would say that, you know, at a younger generation, not to say they're not alphas out there, but I don't know that there's quite as many for whatever reason. You can point to different things in society. And I'm not even saying there's anything wrong with being, you know, more laid back, low key, whatever. Right. And that might work for some, you know, some coaches, some teams. I think for a coach Degg's team and sort of the in, the inner competition within a team, he wants that to be as 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 high as possible. And he wants the team to be as aggressive as possible. And he's written books. And we talk about the Wolfpack mentality and all that other stuff. Like, I, I'm not saying every kid that isn't there anymore that was was soft. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just telling you that now I think he's got a team that he feels like, all right, I don't <clears> – <throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna turn that knob and I'm gonna turn them up, right? I'm gonna turn up the, the volume all the way. But I'm not gonna have to do it that often because most of the time they're already gonna have the volume turned up all the way, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I think it's also fair to say that there are alphas who just aren't very overt. You know, it it's funny when you build a team, you need I guess what we saw Aaron Donald in the conference, you know, finals in football, that guy that's going to pull everybody up and people are going to listen to. But at the same time, you need that alpha that can hear that, not talk and internalize that. I am going to go do this. Not I'm going to follow you and we're going to do it. So, so you need both. And, you know, with, with coach Diggs and Scott, you're right. There's nothing wrong with anything. And guys that aren't here, it's not an insult. Look, there are some guys in the Hall of Fame or headed to the Hall of Fame that you have to put your own around and hug. You can't, you can't get on. That doesn't mean they're not good players. It just, they might not be the ones you want and, and your philosophy and how you go about doing your business. I mean, look, you have kids, Scott, right? At some point, you may have to hug one all the time. At the other point, uh, you might have another one where hugging doesn't work. You got to punish them all the time. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. So, but you need the guys that are built around the way you want them to be built. And then your system can run how you want. And I think that's what you're getting with Dave. You're getting guys that have it. You know, it's very similar to Coach Rowe, right? So much of it's similar. Except, I guess, in Dave's mentality, it's a lot more aggressive. You know, some coaches are just, they, they have an aggressive personality. I mean, go to Lamson Park. You can find one of those there, right? But let, let me ask you this. Brad Topham, our guest, ESPN Lafayette. Do you feel like that's easier to do in in the year of our lord 2022 in a sport like baseball than other sports because i think i think when you look at at football there's so many more players now basketball there's not but in football there's so many more players right you would say eh, you, you almost need to have a coach that can 
sort of not try to fit a square peg in a round hole, but just, um, you know, have have equal size for the players, if that makes sense. Where in baseball, I mean, you play, right? The, baseball's di- like baseball players are just, uh, I love how you guys discover, you're like, yeah, we're still a little weird, there's still something off. And I know every sport's slightly different, but is that easier to do to just, instead of being like, all right, I'm going to go to where you are as a coach, it's like, no, we're going to, I, I want I want a certain personality, and then we're going to meet in the middle. Like I'm not going all the way over there for this to work. We gotta you gotta have a certain personality, and then I'll I'll meet you somewhere where it works. But I'm not I'm not going all the way to where you are. You know, you're, it's very different in baseball and softball. They're very similar, but you know, as an analogy, you love I know you love basketball. You can put the greatest player on a basketball team. They have to truly mesh every time the ball is being dribbled in baseball. We may have to mention the dugout, but I can do what the heck I want at the plate. You know what I mean? I'm running the bases the way I want. I'm, yeah. running, I'm hitting the way I want. So it, it is very different. And in baseball, and you go out and get the JUCO. You, can't, you can go to JUCO all you want in college football, but there's 11 guys on the field that all have to do one job, not you know 11 jobs. Baseball, not, it's different. And, yeah, you can change it fast. You can go to JUCO. You can get what you want specifically. It is, and it's isn't it funny, though? We view things in baseball massively different than other sports. Very few other sports will live in the JUCO world and be highly successful. Baseball and softball might, maybe track will be the only ones. Because football and basketball, you can't live in the JUCO world. But in our sport, we can. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Uh, Cajun pitching, I know that's going to be a big topic of conversation throughout the season and particularly this weekend. You know, who's going to start? Coach Degg said they'll, they, you know, they know, but they'll talk to the team. They'll release it later this week. I think they they have their final interest squad tonight. But um, you know, guys like a, a Chipper Menard, a Drew Shiflett, a Dylan Toit, regardless of what day it's on, you know, hearing Coach Deggs talk about it, it really feels like those three guys and one or two others they're they're going to be in the mix, and I would almost expect them to be possibly the guys this weekend. Now, who starts this weekend and who starts later in the season? That I don't think there's ever been a season, maybe maybe one or two in, in the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years where it pretty much remained that way. It's going to look very different probably a month from now, but what do you anticipate in terms of starting pitching this weekend? Well, I would expect Shiflet of the of the arms, Shiflet's got the most experience on this roster as far as being a star as a kid out of Texas, and he's got the stuff. And, le- and look, you saw what Spencer Arigetti, right? Spencer Arigetti had that Friday night mentality. And I actually think he had a better mentality than he had the same passion, but he could channel it a little bit. And that, that's what you need on Friday night. You've got to have a guy that the emotions never get too big on Friday because you have a long weekend. I'm expecting Shiflett. And I love Menard because he is going to be completely different than anything else you see. And it, you know, there is a comfort level. If you throw a bunch of righties up there throwing 88 to 92 and they all, either have a slider or a breaker or something, you can kind of get comfortable in the box how you're being pitched. Shiflet's going to be ready with some movement. Menard's coming from 17 different angles from the left side, and you're back and forth. And, man, I'm telling you, when you can't get comfortable in the box with how the arm slots or how you're being pitched, it makes it difficult. I expect Shiflet. I expect Menard. And then Toy, it's good. You know, Scott, when I was a redshirt freshman, we went to the regional finals. That's when we lost to LSU before they won the national title before Super Regionals. We had a starting rotation that was pretty much the same all year. 
Gary Hart, Dan Hart, and then Javi DeJesus. And we stayed healthy. And because of that, you go a really long way. So, no, but it doesn't happen very often, but I'm expecting to see at least three arms every single game. Brad Topamar, guest. Um, what, what is, this is a very general question, but, you know, to wrap up Cajun baseball talk, what is your expectation for this team? There's a lot of excitement as always, but there's a lot of newcomers, a lot of buzz, but uh, it's a long season. So what is your expectation for what this team's going to be like in a few months? My expectation is going to be high 30s and wins. My expectation, and again, I'm not, I'm taking out health. Um, my expectation is you're going to start seeing them shift. So last year, what, 33 and 23, I think, when the season ended. I think you're looking at more like 37 and 20, you know, that range. And it, it's a small difference. But what you're going to find, Scott, you see Irvine's a little bit different style, and they're really good opening. Then you got a midweek game with Southeastern. We know how hard that is. And then you go to Round Rock before a pair of the Demon. The best, yeah. And, yeah, and then, look, Tech, Southern Miss at home, and Houston. And this, the, look, compared to what basketball and football have to go through, baseball and softball, because of what the fans have done in the sand and the facilities built, this is a, we have tremendous home schedules. This, you know, look at, at a non-division one, a non-power five. Our schedules are incredible, you know, and it's because of the fans and it's because of the facilities. So this is a very tough schedule. There's no or uh, Northern Alabama weekend sets, Houston, Southern Miss, Tech. You know, it's tough. So I think Deggs is in, and I can't say where I got it from, but I know it's an inside source from a player. They're bought in. When they walk around campus, they're bought in. The player told me that he was a marvel at Napier, and he's already seen it with Coach Dez, that when they walked around campus, when there was no coaches around, the players were actually the same. They weren't trying to get away with stuff. You know, Dex has his guys now. When they're walking around campus, they're who they're supposed to be when no one's watching. The team is bought in. You have the right mentality. And as it goes and you have those few guys that, you know, want to jump off the ship, there's not going to be anybody, any company. So I think you have a better chance of being cohesive. So the, the answer, long, short answer to your question is, what happens in the low midseason? Because you know you're going to have one and do when we play South Alabama late March, that's going to be your answer, Scott, because we play Troy before that, and South Al's coming in with one of the top pitching staffs in the nation with two damn good pitchers on Friday and Saturday night. So I think you'll know your answer mid-March, and I think you're going to be. I think it's going to be a fun team. It's going to be an enjoyable team, not a maddening team. You know. ESPN Lafayette best ticket in sports. Brad Topham has been our guest. Um, Top, real quick, um, you don't need to expound on it a ton. I know you you know some guys uh, on LSU's team and you follow it. How do you think Coach Johnson is going to do in his first year with the Tigers? Swing the unmerciful hell out of the bat. Don't don't be surprised if you win some SEC games 12 to 10. They've got good arms. They have no experience with them, and that's a tough league. Take the over. They may be the best in the country. Take the over. Look, we don't know if Major League Baseball – you know, hopefully they work everything out, and if they don't, Brad will probably celebrate because he'll his, he'll claim that his team gets to be champs even longer. I hope Major League Baseball plays, but where I'm going with this is this thing happened. This this lockout goes on and on. Don't don't be sad because there's no baseball, man. Look at the diamond. Look at college baseball. There's some great college baseball right here in your backyard. 
throughout the state and, um, you know, throughout the country. And you're going to get to see some of the best teams in the country this year play against Louisiana, including one coming in this weekend, UC Irvine, opening weekend, Russo Park, 5.30 pregame, 6 o'clock first pitch this Friday over on our sibling station, News Talk 96.5 KPL. I'll tell you this, something that no one else would care about except me, so you probably don't care. Deggs, <clears throat> I recorded that interview with him Monday. He texted me early Tuesday morning, and he was like, actually, this is my favorite Beastie Boys song. It wasn't No Sleep Till Brooklyn. It was Rhyming and Stealing, which makes a little more sense for Deggs because it's got the, like, when the levees break, Led Zeppelin beat, and then they go over it. So I, I wasn't surprised, but he said it, like, kind of, it kind of stuck with him. He was he was thinking about it way too much. He's like, no, I got I to gotta, I gotta switch here. So admit, admit something to him, which means something to me and probably nobody else, Brad. I agree. And listen, don't worry about Major League Baseball not starting. If Major League Baseball doesn't start, you don't have to wait for the Mets to be a, a train wreck. Max they Scherzer, baby. Max, Max, Scher- right Max Scherzer all the way. It all, it, 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 on, a serious, oh, on a serious note, it really is sad. Like, the fact that, that pitchers and catchers aren't reporting for Major League Baseball and the Tyler Skagg story is front and center which is a very sad story, and you're, you're starting to see some of the darker, seedy sides of MLB. Um, I guess the, the only, for MLB, the fact that that's happening, you know, shortly after the Super Bowl and there's still some, some, some football buzz, I don't know. It's not front-page news, but anybody that's been following that story, it's, it's sad, man. It's sad. It's what's it's drawing a light to what's happened in the locker rooms. You've you've had pro football players on here all the time talking about the needles and everything else that are done to them. Baseball has just been in the shadows. And the bottom line, baseball is getting what they deserve in that football evolves. It might drive you nuts the rules they make. Basketball has evolved. It might drive you nuts how they do things. But their sports are growing, and baseball is stuck in the 1950s, and certain things are coming to light. That story with Tyler Skaggs is awful. And multiple guys are coming forward with new, with more stories. And Scott, this if they somebody's gonna keep the lid on it, or you're gonna start to see stuff leak out about other teams throughout time. Sure, I mean the, the, the his tragic passing has forced a spotlight on on MLB's dark side. The government's rested. The defense is gonna put up their case. Um, you know, Matt Harvey, I'm not not a fan of him. Um, you know, but certainly enlightening some of the things he said. Uh, some of the admissions he had under oath that he was granted immunity, so he had to tell the truth with everything. But one thing he said was just, you know, guys, they know that if they don't play, getting back to the injury thing, right? Some of it, some of it's recreational, but a lot of it is all, all most of the drug use all kind of just goes back to the game of baseball, right? You start doing one thing because you realize, I got to play. If I don't play then I could lose my job and the, the amount of money here when you're in the majors as opposed to somewhere else, you know, it's a short window. So <clears throat> maybe, you know, if folks are just following the story kind of on the outside and not really reading all of the testimony, you might think of it as just, oh, it's all recreational. And maybe it, it gets to that point for some of these guys, but it seems like for the most part, for a lot of them, it all starts and it's all caused by how they're dealing with the stress of Major League Baseball, which is no excuse at all. But to your point, MLB needs to not just keep this stuff in the dark. They need to actually do something about it. And hopefully this trial and in, uh, in, in a lot of these headlines will force their hand and force them to, to, to make some changes that desperately need to be changed. Well, you know, the old phrase in business is deadline spurs action. In the same respect, watching somebody else 
their organization get destroyed or a trainer go to jail will change your input. I mean, think about it. How many teams, not knocking the Astros, but after that scandal went down, how many owners that maybe didn't know went to their GM and go, hey, are we doing this? If we are, stop. I don't want to get caught. And I think, and if that's what it takes, so be it. The bottom line is we all have done things, and well, I'll say we all, most people have done things in their lives, like for their job, or I got to drive home, so I'm going to take all these drinks, these Red Bulls, and, you know, doing things that maybe weren't safe because I got to get home for work tomorrow. I can't, you know, whatever. And these players are no different, but they'll risk it because they understand the reward. And honestly, Scott, there's a fear of what you will be without it. It's an addiction, even though it's an athletic part. It's still an addiction that you have you struggle to deal with as a person about your ability to cope or your ability to compete or your ability to earn a living. And it's just it's an addiction like anything else. It just happens to frame in a sports world. Brad Topham has been our guest. Listen to Top's Take, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays, Fridays, 3 to 4, right here, ESPN Lafayette. You got need some tailgating food, need some dinner, need some lunch, need something catered, check out the Jambalaya shop, uh, all, kind of different, all kinds of different Jambalaya, of course, gumbo, the works, they got other stuff as well. Um, you guys going to do maybe seafood gumbo for, for the Lenten season again? Is that, is that a possibility, Brad? I'm having trouble getting, I gotta get me some Delcom shrimp. I'm being honest. I'm having trouble getting locally sourced seafood with everything going, and I cannot stand Indonesian stuff that we get. We're gonna have something. I know we're gonna be able to get enough shrimp for jambalaya. It's about getting the good crab meat, but we'll have something. And look, um, also real quick, we, I will be going in depth on LSU and UL today and on Friday to really go into you know, the season preview and really get into some of the more names and we can look for. So that's a, if you're a Cajun LSU fan, look forward to that today and Friday. We're going to go deep on those two teams. In-depth college baseball talk for the two teams that uh, a lot of our listeners follow. And Brad Topham, color analyst for Raging Cajun Baseball. I'm looking forward to listening to it, Brad. You and I just scratched the surface. Brad's going in a lot deeper yep. on the two teams today at 3, Friday at 3 as well, right here on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I will uh, I will see you either out of the ballpark or at your restaurant or in this building, but I'll be seeing you when I see you, my friend. I appreciate you taking the time. Looking forward to baseball season. Always, Scott. Thank you. Thank you. That is Brad Topham, host of Top's Take. Here's Matt Degg's favorite Beastie Boys song. When we come back, yeah, I talked a little bit about Super Bowl ratings as opposed when it came to, to market size. What about the overall ratings? And then in the 8 o'clock hour, Kusa threatening legal action. Are they just in denial here? They think they've got a case for what they're trying to do, and it ties into the Sun Belt. If you don't know that story, we'll dig into it in the 8 o'clock hour. But up next, more on the Super Bowl ratings. It's all coming your way. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, drop! Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. It does go well with a chicken. Welcome back into The Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette. Best ticket in sports. Coming to you from the ESPN Lafayette studio. Sponsored by Bet Rivers. Every day at Bet Rivers Sportsbook, Louisiana, you'll find line specials, daily boosted odds, parlays of the day and more. Download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app, the best Louisiana sports betting experience. Learn more at BetRivers.com.
Champagne.com. For those of you listening to us via the stream, that is brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Wilson or Champagne's Going the Extra Mile. And speaking of streams, the Super Bowl topped just over 100 million viewers for linear TV, right? That's if you're just watching on cable, network TV. There's no internet attached. Uh, you had 98 million, I think, on NBC. And then the Spanish, tele- 99 million, maybe the Spanish telecast had an additional 1.03 million viewers. So you had the total number over 100 million. 100.21 million. And you could say, ah, that's it's a lot, but it's also way off of some of the viewership that you had pre-pandemic. You go back to when the Falcons blew a 25-point lead in the Super Bowl. Go back to the 28-3 game, you had more than 113 million viewers. But there's more to the story. The streaming. Because the streaming numbers was 11.2 million. I watched the game on a stream. A giant bump from just a year ago when it was 5.7 million. Every year that number will continue to grow. So when you add that to the overall number for linear, well, it's the most watched Super Bowl since the Falcons blew a 25-point lead in the Super Bowl five years ago. Total viewership topped 112 million. Oh, the Rams' hometown win. Isn't that big? No, no. The Rams get no credit for this whatsoever. The sad part of the ratings is you had a Rams team playing in their home stadium, a Super Bowl in L.A., and Los Angeles couldn't even crack the top 10 of metered markets for the Super Bowl. Not even close, actually. Not even close. Cincinnati was the top market, a 46.1 rating. You go all the way down to number 10, it was Jacksonville with a 41.3 rating. Los Angeles was at 36.7. They weren't even close to cracking the top 10. Your team's hosting the Super Bowl in your own city, and you don't even come close to cracking the top 10. Like, what? Is anyone surprised, though? Tell me again why the NFL has to have football in Los Angeles. Please. Super Bowl in your own stadium with a chance to take a lead late in the fourth quarter of the freaking Super Bowl, and that place sounded like a library. Awful. And, like, why, why, why are the Chargers there? Seriously, why are the Chargers there? Just... I don't I don't care what it takes. Just get him back to San Diego. Somehow. What are they doing? In my lifetime, I've seen teams get to LA, leave LA, go back to LA. Will they leave again? The NFL probably won't allow it again, but they 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 don't need any teams there, much less two. And if the Super Bowl isn't further proof of that, I don't know what is. Coming up next, Conference USA. Well, Everyone said, we're breaking up with you. And Kusa's like, no, you're not. You're not breaking up with me. No, we, we're together. I don't care what you say. I'm leaving up. I'm online. I'm leaving up that I'm in a relationship with you.
I don't care. I don't care what anybody. I, I dare you. I dare you to leave me. Okay. Well, we're leaving you. Okay. No. Uh, let me call my lawyer. That's what's happening with Conference USA right now. It's happening with Conference USA right now, and the three schools that are set to leave for the Sun Belt very soon. We will get into this. And if you're wondering why UL football hadn't released their schedule yet, this is, this is why. We'll, we'll, we'll dig into that at 8.20. I will be joined by Garrick Rattler of the Pels Pod. He uh, hosts the podcast underneath uh, Nick Underhill's network for uh, New Orleans football. Been at the Pels games, been covering the team, been following the team. Disappointing loss last night, B.I., Look, when B.I. doesn't ball, then the Pels usually lose. That's how it goes. C.J. McCollum looked great last night, though. There were a lot of aspects to last night's game. But where is this team heading in the near future? And where are they going to be, say, a year from now? We'll talk to Garrick about that. He's coming your way at about 8.20. But up next, what's Kusa's play here? Why are they doing what they're doing? We'll dig in after this. Plus, open phone lines at 337-269-1077. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. ESPN 1420, KPEL Lafayette. ESPN 1033, K277DQ Lafayette. A Town Square media station. ESPN. ESPN. Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Welcome back into the great Scott show, eight o'clock hour. How's everybody doing out there? Talked a lot of Cajun baseball last hour. Chatted with coach Matt Deggs, Brad Topham. Talked a little LSU baseball with top as well. Talked about turf NFL players being against its Super Bowl ratings. This hour, we'll talk some Pels and some, Conference disputes. For those that haven't followed the story, let me give you a quick recap. Conference expansion. Conference USA has been slowly gasping for air. I mean, they are at the bottom of the pool and they're just looking for some air pockets here. Begging people to not leave, begging schools to join them. And a lot of schools are all departing the conference. A lot are wondering, is Coos even going to make it? I was visiting with Louisiana Raging Cajun Director of Athletics, Dr. Brian Maggard, several months ago during football season. And he said that when it comes to Marshall, Old Dominion, Southern Miss... And James Madison, now three of those four in Conference USA. James Madison is not. He said that their intent, their hope would be that they could join the Sun Belt as early as the next sports calendar year. Now, if you're wondering what a sports calendar is, every year it ends on June the 30th. 
So you wanted to join, you join with, you know, the first sports would be, you know, football and volleyball and the other fall sports that take place in the fall of 2022. Now, if they weren't able to do that, it was going to be, it was going to happen the year after that. So you were looking at July of 2023 when they would join, but the hope was if they could get enough done that they would be joining this summer. That's the expectation was the, uh, was the term he used. And, you know, it, it, it made some little headlines here and there. I don't think he said anything that, that was unusual. I mean, the expectation, the hope, right? Commissioner Gill said, you know, there's nothing decided yet. We're working toward it. Typically at this point in time, a football team in the Sun Belt would have their schedule for the next season released already. For the Cajuns, all you have is non-conference opponents because the Sun Belt is still waiting to see what their conference is going to look like. But James Madison, there was uh, reports that they were going to get out of their conference and even be able to compete in football as early as next year. Now, because they are uh, an FCS program in football, they were going to have to go through a year where they applied for it and it might be a little different and it might not count as a cut. There, there was a little, there were a couple of potential caveats to James Madison's first year in the Sun Belt, which, by the way, that's going to be a great addition for softball. James Madison will be a great addition for the Sun Belt in, in a lot of ways. All four schools will be great in basketball, and we go on and on. It's good for the Sun Belt. It's bad for CUSA. But neither conference had, had made an official announcement. Then, last Friday, the three schools in CUSA, Marshall, Old Dominion, and Southern Miss, all announced their intent, intent officially to terminate their membership with Conference USA this June 30th. That way, they could officially join the Sun Belt. Well, CUSA didn't really announce any anything. The schools did. CUSA, you know, I say they didn't announce anything. They, they just kind of sat there for a while. Then, yesterday... Conference USA, not the schools, Conference USA, released their 2022 fall schedule, which in football includes eight conference games, four non-conference games for each of the 14 schools. And guess what? Marshall, Old Dominion, and Southern Miss were listed on there. Okay. Now Kusa releases a statement. No, that's not true. You're not leaving us. You think it's going to get nasty? Here's the statement the board released yesterday. Conference USA intends to conduct the 2022-23 athletic year with the full 14 institution membership intact. The CUSA Board of Directors will exhaust all necessary legal actions to ensure all members meet their contractual obligations as defined by and agreed to in the Conference USA bylaws. CUSA USA bylaws state members must give the conference 14 months notice before departing. This according to Conference USA. Marshall, Old Dominion, and Southern Mist announced their departures to the Sun Belt last October. They didn't say exactly when they were going to go, just that they were departing for the Sun Belt. Six other schools, Texas, San Antonio, FAU, North Texas, Rice, UAB, and Charlotte, are all leaving CUSA for the American Athletic Conference 
and they'll begin play in the fall of 2023. Coos is adding four new members in Liberty, New Mexico State, Sam Houston State, and Jacksonville State in 2023 because that's when, guess what, everyone's going to be gone. But Old Dominion and Southern Miss and Marshall, they're all, they're all just, they, they want out now. So what's Kusa doing here? They're trying to get some money is what they're doing. And as much as I can tease them and say, oh, they're catfishing and it's this weird relationship status, and it kind of is, this is all about legalities. This is all about lawyers for Conference USA saying, stick to your guns. If anything, we could possibly get some money out of this. We could find them if they leave. We could force them to stay possibly if they don't want to pay a fine. But at the end of the day, because of this note in the bylaws, which we have, We can get something out of this. The Sunbelt has not released any kind of announcement about these CUSA schools. None. Even when the three schools announced last week their intention to leave CUSA on June 30th of this year. So rather than just say, see ya, it's like, well... You know, a couple, they could file for divorce. Or if they stay one extra year, you know what? This will this At this point, the kids will be done with school and we could just amicably split. We don't have to go through how much you owe me each month or anything like that. So I'm just, let's just stay together. Meanwhile, the other one in the relationship is like, no, I am ready. I am out. I am with someone else now. The difference is, you still have to play with each other if you're Conference USA and you're forcing them to play in sports. So are, are, are these three schools, if I had to bet, I would bet that Marshall, Old Dominion, and Southern Miss will be in the Sun Belt next year. Unless CUSA takes this to an extreme, extreme level where it's just they've, they, they've priced them all out. At what point do lawyer fees at a potential buyout fine become too much? I think that's what these athletic directors are looking at right now. Or I should say the lawyers of these ADs are looking at right now for these three schools. But there's no way that Marshall Old Dominion and Southern Miss made that announcement on Friday without knowing the Conference USA bylaw about giving a conference 14 months notice. This thing is going to continue to play out publicly. Coos is just trying to hang on to this decent conference. I say decent. This average conference for one more year before 2023 hits. And they're out there and they're looking around and they're like, how did I get here with these guys? This is our conference now. Essentially, they're trying to delay the inevitable and make a couple of bucks in the process. That's what this is. That's what this is. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. Coming to you from the ESPN Lafayette studio, brought to you by Bet Rivers. 
Every day at Bet River Sportsbook, Louisiana, you'll find line specials, daily boosted odds, parlays of the day, and more. Download the Bet River Sportsbook app, the best Louisiana sports betting experience. Learn more at betrivers.com. I think they're also the official sportsbook app sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans, who had a disappointing loss last night. But rather than one game, what about the state of the franchise? We're going to visit with first-time guest Garrick Rattler next. He hosts the Pels Pod, part of Nick Underhill's New Orleans network. He is at the games. He is covering this team on a daily basis. And he is our guest next right here on The Great Scott Show. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Coulda, shoulda, and woulda. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Are you serious? They all play here. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Into the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. As promised, joining us now, first time guest of the show, Garrick Rattler from New Orleans.network's own Pals Pod, New Orleans.network, part of Nick Underhill's network over there covering sports. Nick, friend of the program, and uh, Garrick, friend of his. Garrick does a great job on the Pals Pod. At Pels Pod on Twitter, the official account of the New Orleans Pelicans podcast that uh, he and Raf do. At Garrick underscore Rattler on Twitter. Let's welcome him aboard. Good morning, Garrick. How's life, man? How are you? Welcome into the show. Oh, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, feels good to be back on the on the airwaves of the 337. I, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Rager Cajun at heart, uh, so, you know, it's always good to step by. But I appreciate you having having me on, man. So tell us, what, what makes you a Raging Cajun at heart? I mean, look, I spent four years of my life uh, over there at, uh, at UL, uh, three years of my life at the quarters over there. Shout out to, to my, my people over there at the quarters. Uh, but man, I, I just love my time there. Uh, it, it changed. It like broadened my horizons there. I met a lot of great people there. Um, a lot of good, good folks that I still keep in touch with. Um, and I, and anytime I could get out there to a raging Cajun football game, I try to, um, because that's just, I, I it's home, man. <laughs> good stuff. Garrick Rattler, our guest, a raging Cajun alum, and uh, host of the Pels Pod. Uh, and before you get so your first time guest, so what? What is your favorite Beastie Boys song of all time? You may not have one, but we have to ask you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, unfortunately, uh, the Beastie Boys wasn't really my flavor. Uh, much love to them, uh, you know. Much love to them, but uh, you know, I, I wasn't. I wasn't a true Beastie Boys. So I'm not going to even try to give you some kind of like politically correct, <laughs> uh, like mainstream song that everybody answers. Um, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you, but I, I, I will tell you that I, I you know, I, I do respect their place in music. But you know, what, 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 what song? If I was to be uh, introduced to some Beastie Boys music, you know. Know, just to kind of get into what would you what would you suggest i would go listen to the um well all their albums sound very different 
That's the thing. Okay. So a lot of people, a lot of people know the '86 album, "License to Ill," which is more of like a, a punk rock kind of rap album. You know, it's got okay. "Fight for Your Right," and that's that's '86. You know, they they toured with Run DMC, so it's it sounds very different than their other albums. Uh, my oh, favorite wow. album of theirs is "Check Your Head," came out in '92. Um, "Ill Communication" is great. You know. Uh, Hello Nasty came out in 98. That's the one that has Intergalactic on it. A lot of that whole album sounds varied. Every song sounds different. So I think, you know, you could you could listen to their one of their albums that's not licensed to ill and it's hard to pick out, you know, what year it might have come out in. Their last album that came out before one of the members passed away of cancer. They had some, you know, they had some guests on it like Nas and they did some other songs with some different artists and I know uh, you know, it's funny I asked Nick Underhill a few years ago and he was like oh yeah uh, and he, he tried to name something and he just named like sabotage which is a classic right but, <laughs> and then afterwards he's like yeah man i thought about just throwing something out there but i can't lie i you know i know a few of their stuff you know? <laughs> oh, man you can't yeah, go that, wrong that, but that, if, that's my guy <laughs> if, if you listen to the first one it's it doesn't sound like their other stuff now it's iconic and a lot of people know it but it doesn't sound like their other their other albums for sure anyway Let's let's talk some. All right, pals, well, man. say I, less. I, I I appreciate you educating me. I, I think I'm, you know, I, I get into it. I got my title account going. There you go. There you go. Um, Grizz and Pels last night. We'll talk a little bit about this game, and then I'll kind of want to get 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 into the, the state of the franchise right now. You know, John Morant didn't play last night, and I think you looked at that. I, I what I, I I look at Memphis, and I say to myself, you know what? This is where the Pels should be right now. Right, they drafted Morant. They had a plan. They made a couple of changes. Nothing major. He has stayed healthy for them. I mean, not 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 all the time, but certainly more healthy than Zion has. Right, he's played a lot more. Like you said, year three, the Pels just need to be in the mix. Right, be in the playoffs. Be maybe a four or five seed. Get to that point. And it feels like every year since they've drafted Zion, they've kind of had to hit the reset. He's one reason why. When I saw Memphis last night without Morant. I was just all I kept saying to myself was, "Man, Memphis has some dogs. Like they, that they, they. <laughs> if you don't see the Grizzlies a lot, seeing them last night without Morant and the way they played last night, I get it. It was the second game of a back to back to New Orleans, but I don't care if you don't like the Grizzlies. There's no way you can't be impressed by them. No, absolutely. The Grizzlies, uh, they obviously have um, you know high ex- uh, aspirations this season. Uh, they have what 41 wins before All Star game. Uh, before the All-Star game, and, you know, that's that's a real team. That's not any fluke. Um, that's not any, any frill. Uh, that is a real team that is uh, very well coached, uh, very well, you know, they, they, their defense is on a string. Uh, they cover for each other, and it seems like they've, you know, they've been in the system, and, and it's and it's kind of, like you say, what a, a difference in night and day with the Pelicans is what you have when you have cohesion, uh, when you have all, you know, most of your players, uh, you know, available and, and you know, and, and able to build a system and build a culture, uh, you know, and, and everybody buys in. And then, you know, you kind of see my brother who, who hosts the Pels with me, he kind of, uh, the Pels pod podcast with me, he talks about how like, uh, Memphis is kind of like the Miami East almost, where you have all of these kind of dogs on the team, and if somebody goes down, that they have somebody to kind of step up, uh, like we saw with Tyus Jones yesterday, step in uh, to fill in for John Moran, and like the the system keeps humming, the machine keeps humming, uh, and, and it keeps going, and so you know you see what what. 
continuity does, uh, you know, available stars, available players does. It helps build a culture and build a system where, you know, if somebody goes down because, the, the you know, the concrete foundation has already been laid, it's easy for that person to kind of come in and be another cog to the system. Um, and, and the Pels were just another, uh, you know, a victim during this buzzsaw that is the Memphis Grizzlies season this year. The Pels, as far as where they're at, 12 games under 500, but started 3-16. and 16. They're they're obviously a different team when Brandon Ingram's playing, and they're they're a different team when he's playing well. Last night wasn't one of his better games, but Ingram to me has this season has basically, and I think Willie Green has something to do with this. Garrick basically put the 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 team on his back in a lot of ways. I don't just mean on the court, but I mean the idea of I I am going to be the I don't whoever the national face of the franchise is and and I even even though he hasn't played much it's probably Zion right that gets the most buzz but I am the face of this franchise right you know he hit that game winner um last month and he's yelling this is my bleeping city right uh, how he interacts with the fans how he interacts with his teammates basically just taking ownership of a role that even after he signed that max deal I don't know that he was comfortable yet to really do that. And some question whether he would ever be. Now, Stan Van Gundy was a terrible hire. I mean, I don't, there's no debate in it. And, and it, <laughs> it never really jived with Ingram, but or any of the players for that matter. But seeing what Willie has done, I, I, I got to give Willie some credit and Ingram from, some credit because I think, you know, we all know how good Zion can be when he's on the floor. But Ingram moving forward, you know, this is a guy that at least, for anyone that follows the team on a local level, he is the guy that's put the franchise on his back. And I think as a leader of the team, that's that's something that he has not only accepted at this point, but it feels like he's fully embraced it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, coming into this season, um, you know, in, before the, the, the season started, you could hear a different kind of talk from Brandon Ingram. Uh, he, he spoke about seeing the game uh, in a different type of view. Uh, he spoke about being a leader, being more vocal, um, you know, being more present, uh, you know, as, as far as leadership goes. And, you know, going into the season, we all thought, hey, you know, this would be uh, a fantastic season for, for Zion and B.I. to both mature and take that leap for the, um, you know, that take that next leap. Uh, but obviously, you know, with Zion's injury and not being able to play uh, so far this season, Brandon Ingram has had to, you know, take even more of an account, uh, an accountability and leadership role, and he has done a phenomenal job. Everybody in the city uh, of New Orleans and, and Pels fans, I've talked to a lot of Pels fans uh, on Twitter and things like that. Everybody has seen it. Everybody has seen the growth that he has made uh, on every aspect of his game. You know, every year he has gotten better offensively. He's added more to his game, um, and then you know everything that that people complained about about Brandon Ingram, he went. Into the, into the summer, and he fixed it every other year. This year, although he's not a lockdown defender, he is leaps and bounds better um, as a defender uh, than he was last season. And it has permeated throughout the entire, you know, the entire team. When you're a leader and, you know, you're the guy who has taken reins and your best player right now, um, it, it, when he is locked in defensively and is telling everybody, you know, and, and, and telling everybody to kind of get on my back and, and follow my lead, it emboldens everybody on the team so you see great play from all you know other guys who are following behind his lead and so when you when you I've gone to a lot of Pell games this season um and, and Brandon Ingram you know, throughout the season, whether win, loss, or, you know, whatever the case is, he's staying after at the games, he's taking pictures with fans, he's signing, you know, 
uh, signing autographs for people, uh, you know, holding babies, doing all kind of stuff. And, you know, those are the type of things that endear you to a community, uh, especially a community that, that has been through so much uh, between, you know, hurricanes and, and everything else that we have gone through uh, to have, you know, this guy who basically chose us. He's a, he's a star that could not, he did not have to sign the extension, but he chose us um, to have this guy kind of, you know, blossom in front of our eyes and for him to call us our own and then for him to embrace the city the way that he has um it has been tr- something truly special from brandon ingram this season and it's noticed by guys like cj mccullum who said you know he was going to be traded said i wanted to go to new orleans and listed a few reasons why but first thing that came out of his mouth was brandon ingram um mm-hmm. mccullum the three went to fall in last night but seeing and, and it, it's Continuity is is important, and they don't have it yet, right? It's going to take a little time. You lost Hart and a couple of guys in the deal, but what McCollum brings to the table offensively is obviously undeniable. Um, and seeing him drop thirty last night, that dime he had to Ingram in the fourth quarter was the mm-hmm. highlight of the game, man. It was just a thing of beauty. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's 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 looking at the crowd. He's like, "Come on, let's go!" Right? He's he's lifting his arms up. But uh, that trade, everyone, I think is. I shouldn't say everyone. I, I hate doing that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. There, there are some that I think are overreacting to just a couple of games so far. I, I, I said. I've been. I said months ago. I said, look, if you could trade for McCollum, you got to do it. Like, it's, it's not exactly. It's not like the Pelicans are this free agent destination. We've seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's not on an expiring contract, so you're not renting him. This, he seems like a, a guy that offensively fits in perfect with this team. You have the assets. Like, why wouldn't you do it? And uh, and they did, and I think it's going to work out great. But I I guess what do you think the long term impact is going to be, or or you know aside from just oh well this season and you know going for a ten seed, which I think they'll probably be in the play in tournament based on who's you know at the bottom of the conference. But what do you think this McCollum move looks like a year from now, Garrick? Absolutely, I, I'm a I'm a huge fan of, of CJ and, and the move um, that was made. So uh, bringing CJ in is actually uh, what I like to say. It, it kind of bridges everything because what it does is it tells Brandon, the guys like Brandon Ingram, uh, you know. Um, Jonas Valanciunas, uh, Herb Jones, guys who've been playing their, you know, their butts off this season. That hey, we're not, you know, just folding in uh, because Zion isn't here. We're, you know, we're gonna go in and try to make a play for the turn, uh, playing tournament, uh, you know, or, or whatever the case is, um, and then maybe see where we go from there. Uh, but what also what it does is for the for the upcoming seasons, you know, whether Zion, uh, you know, whatever the situation happens with Zion, obviously it's up in the air, and you know, nobody really is fully understanding what's going on. But my belief is that Zion is going to play for the Pelicans. Uh, you know, he, eventually he's going to be on the court with with, with CJ McCollum. And you know, going forward, what 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 it does is it, it adds a a not only a, a great offensive player, but the respect that CJ McCollum has on the floor. Speaking uh, from coaches and other players, um, they are aware of the of the talent that CJ has, and so you know that's going to cause def, you know defensive game plans to be have to tweak a little bit. We saw over and over again how many times, even with Brandon Ingram and Zion both on the floor, fully healthy, fully going, um, how many bodies they had to see uh, in order for for those guys to score. And you're already starting to see a little bit of it now where they you have to decide whether to leave Brandon Ingram or CJ open um, or, or single coverage, uh, you know, Jonas 
Valanciunas. And so what it's going to do is going to it's going to free up a lot of space uh, for Brandon Ingram, for JV, um, and for Zion when he does get back. And so I, I think you know moving forward, like you said, you have him under contract for this season and an additional two years. Um, and CJ has a game that is going to age very well uh, because he doesn't rely on a lot of athleticism. Uh, he relies on a lot of his craftiness and his skill dribbles, um, pull-ups and, and mid-range games and things like that. And those are the type of things that age really, really well. Um, and so I think going forward, CJ was a, was a, was a great move in order to, to kind of pull together the team uh, and let them know that we you know, appreciate digging themselves out of that hole that they were in, um, you know, and that we're going to, we're going to try for this season, but it also bolsters, you know, what, what, what goes on forward. We saw yesterday, Brandon Ingram didn't have a really, really great game. Um, and CJ was there keeping everything afloat. And that is kind of what, uh, another offensive star uh, can do for you. You know, Brandon Ingram doesn't have to go for 35 to 40 a night for us to even be, uh, you know, competitive uh, in, a, in, a, in a sense. Now he can kind of have those games where it's not so, you know, you're not having it so well, but CJ can carry some of that offensive load. So going forward, I think, you know, just having another offensive star that is respected by coaches and by his peers, um, which will cause the defensive game plans to change, is going to do wonders for JV, uh, for, for, for Brandon Ingram, and for, uh, for Zion when he gets back. Garrett Rattler, our guest, host of Pell's Pod. He and his brother Raphael host it each Monday at 5 o'clock. It is part of the NewOrleans.network that Nick Underhill started. Uh, of course, you guys know Nick from covering the Saints, Garrett covering the Pels. All right, we've talked about some some positives. Um, we gotta we gotta look at the other side of it, and that's Zion. It's always, and, always, and, and always. This, this isn't this isn't a knock on on Zion per se. I mean, he's taken plenty of flag. This is more for me a knock on the situation. Um, okay, this team can be they could take a big leap if Zion is healthy and playing. Now, I have. I, since November, have said, I don't think he's playing this year. I didn't like the mm-hmm. language that was being, you know, being used to describe a situation back then. And, you know, David Griffin last week saying anecdotally, yeah, he's doing great, uh, was just, I, I was rolling my he, eyes. He used that word, yeah, he used that oh word a couple of times. <laughs> like, and then, you know, some folks are like, oh, what does that mean? They go look it up. Like, basically, he's saying, I haven't <laughs> talked to him. I don't know. I just heard through the grid. How are you? As the man that is responsible for running the entire organization, so Gail Benson hired you mm-hmm. to do. How mm-hmm. do you not have contact with a doctor, with a trainer, with Zion, with any of them? This is supposed to be the key to your future, the number one overall pick. This is why you're not on national TV a bunch this year because Zion wasn't playing, so they took you off. I mean, the star power, all this stuff. We go on about all the stuff Zion can potentially be when he's healthy. How are you as David Griffin, how do you not know? Or are you just lying? Either way, it's 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 bad. It's absurd. Oh, I mean, I remember last week. It was early last week. Oh, Zion's back in New Orleans. That's a great sign. I'm like, let's calm down a little bit. Just because he's back in New Orleans doesn't mean that it's going to be great news. Like, I get that everyone's positive right now after McCollum trade, but let's slow down here because there have been, there's been really no positive news regarding Zion. Since last year when he was playing and the team was struggling, but he played great and was an all-star and he was, he was fun to watch and he was must-see TV at times. But it's been a long time since there has been a positive Zion story as it pertains to he and the Pelicans, Garrick. And I, 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 I am of the opinion, I don't think he plays this year. If he does, cool, right? But I think the players have said it publicly as well. Like, we can't, 
we can't wait on him to get back. If he does, great. But we're not we're not planning on it. We're just we're we're working with what we have. That situation to me, whatever's happening, if he's had setbacks, whatever. I, I if if the news is bad, just say it. Like, what are you, are you trying to protect him like you did with the bubble? Well, if that's the case, now it's special treatment for someone that I, like, there are a lot of avenues you could go to when you leave the door open for a what if. And that's what David Griffin does with these updates he doesn't give or with stuff like anecdotally and all this other BS. When you don't give a few more details, people are often going to assume the worst because why wouldn't they? And you could you could point to a, a number of different avenues that it might go down, Garrick. But to me, at this point, none of them are good. That's why I'm like, I don't I don't think he's playing this year. What is your take on the current status of Zion Williamson, the situation surrounding him, and his future with the Pelicans? <sighs> yeah, it, it, it has been it has been a weird weird year um, as far as. Zion and the updates and is where is he? Is like playing a game of where's Waldo? It's it's crazy. Um, you get all of these cryptic updates and things like that. So, well, firstly, I, I'm gonna start off with with the Zion updates, right? So, I, I've been watching, you know, you know, everybody seeing the same things about you know other media people reporting oh where's Zion this and Zion that, and then you know David Griffin coming out uh, and the team coming out with their updates and things like that. First off, I wanna say that it is very weird uh, to get updates on a player the way, you know, we're getting them with Zion. So, for instance, uh, you, you know, you don't hear too much about Kawhi Leonard. You don't hear too much about Paul George. You don't hear too much about Jamal Murray. Michael Porter Jr. just kind of, like, disappeared, and no one asked any questions about it, um, you know, and things like that. And so I think the draw of Zion is what, is what people are 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 you know pulling for. They they want to know this mega superstar. Um, you know what's going on with his every you know single move uh, as far as that goes. And so when when the Pels come out with these you know medical updates every whatever whatever that they release. Um, I just find it weird, like, is that, you know, do they have to do that? Uh, is that something that is mandated by the NBA? Um, because you don't really see too much about, you know, these other players that are that are hurt, um, and they don't get updates. But what I will also say is that I, I agree with you, Scott. I think that where the franchise is and where the fans are, I think the fans are like, listen, if he's out for the season, just announce it and let us move on. Uh, Let, you know, let people move on uh, knowing that he won't be, you know, here for the season as opposed to, oh, well, when this team gets healthy, well, when this team gets healthy, is he going to come back post all-star break, things like that. And so I think where the fans are is just like, just rip the bandaid off and tell us. But what also, you know, what what I would also say is that I, I just don't, I don't think that Zion I think Zion is hurt. I do think he, you know, he is hurt and things happen. Listen, we, we are a franchise that uh, we are, no, we are used to happen dealing with, uh, you know, things going on uh, that are out of our control that just seem to be unfair. Uh, and I think that we, we are dealing with, we're in the midst of, of a situation. And so I think most of the frustration that comes with, with Zion is that, if he is hurt, it, it's like nobody hears from him, right? It's always, oh, this is reported. This camp is this, or his camp says this, or whatever, whatever. And then when he was 
asked by Fletcher Mackle down here, uh, you know, about the city and everything, and he and they asked him about it. He was like, "Oh, I'm glad you asked. You know, I love this city. I love New Orleans. I love playing here." Like that was the, you know, that was the first time we had heard from him. And so I think most of the the frustration comes from from that. Um, if if you are hurt, if if he is out for the season, just announce it, rip the bad date off, and you know, and let us, you know, deal with it, and let us deal with the guys that we have on the floor um, who are competing every night and playing well every night. Um, and, and, you know, and, and even when they don't, they're still in games and playing defensively and playing hard and trying to, you know, trying to compete and, and be in these games. And so as far as Zion goes, I, I'm kind of on the on the on the on the on the sense of if it if he plays and I I still think that there is a glimmer of hope um, because if he was out for the season it's very easy to just come out and say hey he's not going to be here for the rest of the season um, but if there is a chance you know after this post uh, I mean after the All Star break um, that he does come and and you know ten games of Zion I, I'm sure Pelicans fans you know anywhere objectively would say give me ten games of Zion um, this season. I'll take it. So I think that they're, you know, they're objectively uh, speaking. I don't know if they're announced him out for the season. And because they haven't done that, it still gives me, uh, you know, a little bit of hope. But I'm of the mindset, like, listen, CJ is here. Brandon Ingram is here. Uh, Herb Jones is here. Like, we have guys who are competing every day on the floor, fighting for a 10 Um And if, you know, and if, Zion is watching the same games that we are. There's no way he isn't excited to come in um, and contribute to this team and contribute to the success of this team because I do think that, like like we said earlier with Memphis, CJ McCollum now added and Zion with that team, um, you know that that is a team to be reckoned with. And so, I, I, you know, if, if he's watching the same games we are and seeing the Jose Alvarados um, and, and just like the, the the way the culture is being being set and, and brought forth, um, I, I can't do anything but it's, it, assume that he's itching to get back to that team um, because I can't see him. People always talking about the new the the coastal cities and where he should go and should he be in the. I, I don't know if anybody's been paying attention, but both of the New York teams and both of the LA teams are not in great <laughs> great situations. So I don't see why that would ever be a uh, you know a cause for concern. But this team is ready to compete with Zion, and hopefully he's back. Garrick Rattler has been our guest at Garrick underscore Rattler, host of the Pell Spot at Pell Spot. If you want to follow it there, great talking Pels with you, man. Uh, Rage Cajun alum. As he uh, yes, let us all know, and um, of course we talked a little music to kick it off as well. Garrick, appreciate it, man. Let's do it again in the future, all right? Always, man. Thanks so much for having me on, Scott. You got it. That is Garrick Rattler. Go give him a follow at Garrick underscore Rattler on Twitter. We're going to take a timeout when we come back. If you missed it at the beginning of the show, you get a chance to hear it next. Rage Cajun baseball season, two days away. My conversation with head coach Matt Deggs coming your way right after this. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. This is the Great Scott Show. Louisiana Raging Cajun baseball season is almost here. A lot of anticipation. Uh, first pitch this Friday over at ML Tigmore Field at Russo Park. And joining me now to talk Cajun baseball is the head coach of Louisiana. That'd be Coach Matt Deggs. It's good to see you, Coach. You too, Scott. Uh, your favorite Beastie Boys song of all time. What is it? Hmm. Licensed till they were all good. I'm gonna say no sleep till Brooklyn. No sleep till Brooklyn. It's a good banger, man. Yeah, it you is. know, it's a good it banger. It'll get it you is. going. It I feel will. like it's in Bab's playlist. He, he has that playlist <laughs> for BP, and he's always he's always got like it's Wild Wild one. West and 
some of the some of the other ones from that uh, that era. Uh, all right, let's talk some let's talk some baseball. I feel like you guys have a lot of great depth in the outfield, and and I say that because when you can put a guy like uh, like Carson at first or Tyler Robinson, he may play third. But when you can move some great outfielders, I think it speaks to the depth. Am I reading into that the right way? That's probably our toughest position uh, to crack right now. It's a really good group. Uh, obviously head, headlined by uh, T.R. and, and Marshock. And, uh, you know, Heath Hood may be the best hitter on the team uh, when it's all said and done. And uh, Connor Higgs is really coming on. Of course, you got Kemple and, and Will Vaughn. Uh, and they all have big pop, and so uh, it's it's a tough spot out there. Julian Brock taking over at catches. You had Drake Osborne last year. What what does that do for Brock now, being behind a guy like Drake, who was, you know, consistent and, and one of your best yeah. players? Well, I think that's probably served him pretty good uh, from a leadership dynamic and just the dynamic of being the host of the party and and uh, making sure that you know. Guys are comfortable with him, and uh, he gets the guy through the inning uh, or through the outing or whatever it might be. Uh, and he saw two pretty good guys do that in, in Toro, uh, Sebastian, and then, of course, uh, Drake last year. Uh, Ozzy had about as fine a season as you can have. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Julian got to sit with him side by side every day and work with him. And uh, I think you've seen a little bit of that come to the front. Uh, you know, not just the spring, but but all year with him. And so it should be a different story, him knowing he's the guy and it's his job, and, and he needs to take it and run with it. Speaking of catching, I know uh, I think C.J. Willis might have caught a little bit for you guys in the fall. He's shown last year he can play a lot of different spots. So where, where does he fit this season? He's a true utility guy, Scott, that, you know, I'd like to have him, especially the way he's swinging a bat right now. I'd like to have him in there as much as we can. Uh, you know, the, the, the catching – thing is probably more an emergency obviously it it, it does just fine for fall uh, but when you know catching is so much on us on that spot and, and shortstop I think uh, you know with the emergence of Austin Garrett transferring in from K-State that kind of alleviates a little pressure on CJ there but you could see it in an emergency obviously he plays a really good first base second base and any spot in the outfield he's a really good uh utility guy, great teammate, and he's swinging on a really good bat right now. You talk about him, how he's batting, like, does moving a guy on defense, essentially, perhaps game to game, how does that, or does that impact the guy's offense? I think it becomes an excuse for, you know, weaker-minded players or lesser players. I think good players, it's a challenge, and it's kind of a uh, new opportunity every day, and they embrace it, and, you know, kind of make it their own and have fun with it. How is the confidence level of your team right now in your mind going? Really high. Uh, they have a lot of expectation. It's not for me. It's just from the work that they've put in, and they've seen the fruits of that. And they've, they, you know, I think one of the best things the NCA did was allowing us to play two fall games uh, several years ago. And so you get a little bit of a test and get to get to measure a little bit. And uh, I think they saw where they stack up and put a lot of work in in the interim, and then have had a very successful spring. And so. Uh, we'll break that tomorrow night. It'll be our last uh, last game, and uh, we'll play a night game under the lights. Try to work out any kinks. Try to make it as real as possible, uh, and then kind of touch up Wednesday and Thursday and get ready to go. 
Louisiana head coach Matt Deggs, head baseball coach, our guest. You got a, a strong bullpen coming back, right? Schultz, Wilson, Austin, Talley. You got older guys with a lot of experience. Who are some of the, the newcomers in the pitching staff that you see perhaps making an immediate impact? Well, you know, uh, Shifflett, Drew Shifflett, transfer out of Texas, uh, has really uh, made an impression. Had a great fall and spring. Uh, so he's going to be kind of a go-to guy. Uh, and then, you know, Tommy Ray is a big JUCO product that had a great outing yesterday. And Jake Hammond won a championship over with LSUE, and, and he's been really good. Bo Bonds is from one of the top JCs in the country, Chipola. Uh And then a lefty named Dylan Toy that's really stood out. Uh, so we've got a, a, a bunch of really good pieces, I think, the biggest part of this first 20 games is kind of settling into roles, embracing them, and then ultimately starting to excel at them. You mentioned Toy. He was high school teammates of Julian Brock, yeah. was he not? Yeah, right there in the Houston area and, and uh, Fulcher, I believe. And, and uh, you know, so those two have a history together. Is it – do you have an idea of what you want to do as far as the starters opening weekend? And obviously opening weekend looks very different from – later in the season, but is that still just up in the air here? No, I think we do. I think we've identified, you know, how we want to start. It's not going to be how we finish, probably. It never is. Uh, but I think we've got an idea and a game plan, uh, Seth and I, of how we want to break this down and piece it together and give our offense the best chance to get them dug out and score. Uh, probably come out with that a little later in the week. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, if, if I had to give you an answer today, I could. Uh, but we haven't even talked to the guys about it yet, so we'll kind of take it one day at a time. Sure. We're recording this uh, on Monday for everyone listening in terms of, of time perspective. Uh, this Friday against Cal Irvine, we'll, uh, we'll get into that in a moment. A few more. Um, talking about confidence, I look at a guy like Hayden Dirk. The ceiling is, is, is immense. I mean, incredible power. And I know last season, a tough end to the season. So... Where is he at coming in, and how do you work with a guy like that? That um, obviously, you know, he's a local kid, but the potential. I mean, I think folks that watch baseball see what what he can become potentially. Yeah, kind of the the tell of two seasons for him. He started off really well, and uh, at this level, scout reports going to travel, and and uh, teams are going to adjust, and we weren't able just quite yet. He's still real young. He's only nineteen uh, to adjust back, and uh, you know make the adjustment to how they were now approaching us and uh, you know got his confidence dinged a little bit but worked extremely hard over the summer and had a really good fall and he's had a, a solid spring and I think what's important now is and especially because we do have some options Scott is, is kind of bringing him uh, and letting him experience some success and, and really learn how to pitch not just throw but, uh, but pitch and that's kind of where we're at right now Coach Matt Deggs, our guest. A few more for you, Coach. Um, Cal State, uh, Irvine, the Anteaters. Cal Irvine coming in nationally ranked. I know folks point to you know Fitzgerald's on the roster, and there's a little connection, and, and fans are pointing to it. I'm just pointing to that number, and I know it's just a preseason ranking, but you can look at the history of that program. Uh, you've always said, I, I love to begin a season going up against the best opponents we could find. It's a hell of an opponent to yeah, open up with. it is, and, and uh, they're a very dynamic team. Uh, they do everything really well. Uh, they can pitch it, they defend it, they can hit. 
and they're older. They got a lot of guys back that I'm sure they have big expectation coming off a, a season where they got to the championship game in the Stanford Regional. Uh, and so I get it, and, and I know, you know, just from experience where they're at as a program. And so uh, it'll be a good test. The thing about opening weekend is it's, you know, anything can happen. It just It's all about who handles the, the nerves the best and <clears throat> makes plays and throws strikes and puts the ball in play consistently. Top Gun 2, by the way, comes out May 27th. Now, I know you've, really? you've got plans. Y'all are going to be playing in Montgomery that week. Certainly. Um, they have which, the theaters, though. Yeah, they do. They do. I'll end on Top Gun, too. But talking about the conference tournament, I know your plans there to to win the conference championship. And, you know, from your opening press conference here to uh, your first press conference just with the media this season, I guess it was last week, about the expectation as a region, right? I think every coach has high expectations. Not every coach in every sport always voices it, whether it be fear of hype or media or whatever. You, you don't care about that stuff. Why are you always – as confident as you are in your teams and not afraid to just put it out there like, no, look, this is this is what our goal is and this is what we intend to do. Just because I think I've always – well, I don't think I know. I've won all my life. And, uh, you know, and, and if I haven't, I've been in a position to. And just Lord bless me with a lot of confidence. And, and uh, I think you have to speak into existence. Uh, you can't talk about it. Then what are we going to be surprised by? Like that's that to me is what you call hoping, and uh, I'm not in that business. I expect us to win, and that's what we're going to do. High expectations for Top Gun too. I felt like we talked about this movie two years ago, and then COVID delayed it. But I mean, your your favorite movie has a sequel that's going to come out 36 years later. Hopefully, it can meet the expectations. We'll see. You, you know, the, the the saying says, "Never meet your heroes. You're only bound to be disappointed." And so. We'll see. We'll see. It's got a lot to live up to, right? Right. Because Top Gun kind of hits you by surprise. 85, man. I yeah. It's just, it's and I wasn't – nobody was expecting that until you saw it. And then you went to Hastings and rented it every weekend for how many years? <laughs> they were blockbuster. Yeah. It's where the VHS out. How many players on your team do you honestly think even know about Top Gun? Mm. Maybe one or two. Okay. It'll surprise you. There you go. No, I mean, I, I ask kids about Top Gun or Beastie Boys or something, and they're all like, I don't, I don't know any of that. I'm like, that's right. I'm, I'm in a new age bracket, you know, no yes. offense, along with, you know, you and Bab, which Bab always says, look, I'm, just because I'm older doesn't mean I'm old. That's the way to look at it. Yes. Yes. So state of mind. Coach Matt Deggs, I uh, look forward to talking to you this season on Mondays. Yep. Best of luck. Looking forward to opening weekend. Um, Russo Park's going to be rocking, man, so it's going to be a lot of we fun. We can't wait. Can't wait to see Cajun Nation back out there. Uh, doing their thing. So appreciate the time, coach. We'll yep. Talk soon. All right.